Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I've got an interesting topic for us today. You know, I always try to bring something that's relevant to either your job search or your current career and how to make it even better. And I think I think you're really going to enjoy this one today. It's a little offbeat. So I'd like to welcome Kevin Koharki, Head of Accounting at Purdue University and CEO of CAE Coach, a consulting firm that trains C-suite, um, C-suite supporters to the CEO how to support capital allocation. Kevin coaches and trains executives and prospective leaders financial acumen so they can be- make better business decisions, benefiting both themselves and their firm. So let's go find out how important this is. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for having me on, Casey. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. It feels like it's been forever since we first well, met. Only only a couple of months, but yeah, it's it's gone. There's been a lot in between. We have packed a lot in between. So I love to start the show um, kind of connecting the dots on how I got connected to you. And so I am going to ask you if you remember how we got connected. Yeah, so uh, Daniel Hans, who runs the Catalyst program, uh, was down in Dallas, and I actually teach in his program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a program for uh, mostly transitioning veterans, a lot of special forces and, and other individuals um, who are coming out of the military and may not necessarily know what they want to do with their lives, but they know they want to be business people. They know they want to either set up companies or go work for large companies, small companies. Um, and so we try to train them in a whole slew of uh, certain skill sets that they may not necessarily have picked up in the military. They're, they're great leaders, and now we try to give them uh, certain specifics, such as marketing, sales, uh, financial acumen, so to speak, things of that nature. And that, that's how you and I met, actually. I was on a trip with Dan uh, in Dallas. Absolutely. And I believe we were all originally introduced by uh, Brad McCormick? Correct. Yeah, I didn't, that was so crazy because I had just, I had run into him at a networking event um, where we first, he and I first met and we'd had one one-on-one and he was like, you need to clear your lunch schedule for this day. And this is after one one-on-one with him because you need to meet these guys. And boy, was I not disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love the way connections and when you trust, when someone says, I need you to meet someone and you do it. And, and the beautiful relationships that can come out of that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really part of the fun of just, uh, I, I used to think being in business, but it's kind of just, just being alive, just doing something, right? It's just meeting yeah. new people, new experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, ever since that meeting that we had, like my world, my connections have blown up in a different direction. And it's been beautiful. Like, you know, I mean, I, I'm the mother of a veteran and I was and I've, a, a daughter of a veteran. And I've always really appreciated the fact that, you know, these people served our country, but it's like been brought up in a whole nother level now. And I think that that's so amazing. And I think it's important to note that what you do as part of your course with the Catalyst program, the, these people are earning college credits. Right. And so that—that's a differentiator. They are—they are earning college credits, and uh, and uh, in some cases, being very quickly propelled into some, into some rather serious positions, making uh, pretty serious money, as a matter of fact. And uh, and I'm I'm just proud to be a part of the fact that 
like as you said, these people serve their country and that we're doing something to help them with that transition. Because as, as you know better than most, it is a very difficult transition mm -hmm. to make for a lot of people. Uh, and so Dan's whole goal at The Catalyst is to make it easier and to make these people successful beyond even what a lot of them have ever imagined. Yeah, when I, when I describe the program, I often describe it as a soft landing. That, that's that's a perfect way to describe it. Actually, I like. That. I'm going to steal that. Okay, <laughs> you can use that for your marketing. I won't even charge yeah, you. Like yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about you, and let's talk about you know what you're doing, how you got to where you are, and what's it like to be a professor at and a consultant, but a professor at Purdue University. That's pretty prestigious. It's a it's it's a bit of a thrill. I mean, I I, I really love teaching uh, students of uh, you know from undergrad all the way up to executives and and whatnot. Um, I started, uh, I did all my degrees at Penn State University and then was in St. Louis uh, at Washington University in St. Louis for four years and then uh, was really happy when Purdue called me and said, hey, we'll give you a, a tenured offer. Uh, and I said, oh, okay. And, uh, and you got a pretty decent football and basketball program there. So I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> that, that's a lot of fun. So part of what you do is you teach financial acumen to, you know, graduate accounting and finance students. Um, so do you think that it's important for all individuals to have this kind of knowledge? Yeah, I would say most. I mean, to be clear, it's not individual financial acumen. That, that's kind of like personal financial planning. The stuff that I do is really more at the corporate level. So when you think of uh, whether you're in sales, marketing, uh, supply chain, engineering, uh, you are going to be responsible for managing, at least in some capacity, the company's capital, right? In other words, their cash, their resources. And the firms that better manage that uh, usually not only perform better, but are valued higher by the public, you know, equity market, debt market. And the folks that I've taught over the last several years uh, usually find themselves in, in pretty significant uh, positions within their companies or outside their companies. Uh, after learning this material, it's just it, it's something that's a necessity if you want to move up into even mid-level manager or higher. You you kind of need this skill set, but a lot of firms just don't either have the uh, the bench strength and personnel or the time to train their employees in this kind of thing. Well, and that's where a lot of mistakes are made. And you know, here I am after my first career being in accounting, and now if you tell me to look at a spreadsheet, I'm like, no. I'm not, no, somebody else go analyze that and tell me what I'm supposed to do because I just, yep. I, I don't want to ever do that again, but it is important and I get that. And, you know, and I say, I don't look at spreadsheets. I'm having to monitor several different, you know, I run several different companies, so I'm having to run those financials for each of the different companies, but doesn't mean I like it at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I like to tell my students, look, this is a necessary evil. So even if you don't like it. This is the this is what you're going to be judged on ultimately is how what are your financial results? I mean that's long term. That's why stock prices move up and down because it's tied to how firms perform financially. So um, whether you like it or not, right? It's just like yeah, we all have to we all have to kind of go with it. <laughs> exactly, and it, it is a necessary evil. So um, so CAE Consulting's goal is to help to increase the business trust through financial acumen. So non-accounting finance people have been brought to your attention to help work with them. So tell me about your approach to coaching. Pretend like you're having to coach me who doesn't want to do this. What does your approach look like? 
So I love the fact that you use the word trust because that is a very key function of this. So the way I always start is I, I tell people, look, when you think about the CEO's number one responsibility, not, not his or her only responsibility, but the primary one, at least if you believe the world's greatest investor, Warren Buffett, uh, it, it's capital allocation. And what we mean by that is uh, for every dollar of profit, basically, that a company generates, where are they going to invest that money and what kind of return are they going to generate on it? So if a company takes all of its capital and invests it in, in lousy investments, well, sooner or later, the company is not going to exist anymore. Mm. So you want to increase the return you know, as much as you can. Well, the CEO can't do all of that him or herself. It's impossible. Right. So when I think of a company like Johnson and Johnson, I grew, I grew up, my whole family worked there. You take all this money, you invest in research and development, right? You invest in R&D. Well, if you train people to use that money efficiently and effectively, performance will improve over the long term more than it would if we just kind of, well, didn't provide any training at all. And so what I always tell people is, look, I'm going to I'm going to teach you not only how to how to do this effectively, but also give you a skill set that's going to propel your career forward. Because most people, right, especially if they're if they're my age, if they're in their early 40s, they don't want to just stay in the same role that they're in. They got mm -hmm. another 20, 25 years of work ahead of them. They want to move up the ladder or start their own company or what have you, or, or you know, they're in charge of raising capital for a project at a company. All of that requires this skill set. So whenever I, whenever I train people and they say, well, why do I need to know this? I say, well, several reasons. If you're responsible for running a product line, a division, a business unit, an entire company, or you aspire to do any of that, this is a must. It's 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 like when you watch Shark Tank, and people have uh, the sharks have questions. It's usually always around eventually the financials because at the end of the day, if you don't understand that, you're not going to get any money from anybody. It is so funny that you just mentioned Shark Tank. So I'm going to lighten this up for just a minute, just for my own peace you know um but i have gone down a rabbit hole on shark tank lately so you're absolutely right but we actually had a speaker at success north dallas last week that was talking to us that had been on the shark tank and he was talking about how he watched i think i want to say there were like 18 seasons before he came on and he went back and watched every single episode wrote down every single question they asked so that he could be prepared. And you're right. That was the thing he was talking about was they wanted to know the money. How many have you yep. sold? How much does it cost you to make it? You know, how much are you making off of it? All that kind of stuff. And, um, but this, this one, uh, person that spoke to our group got offers from all five of the sharks. Yep. Isn't that incredible? It is. I mean, you, and you do. I mean, you learn a lot just by watching because after a while, the questions are somewhat similar. Yeah. And you, you kind of pick up, okay, I see where they're going with this. Right. And so one of them, there's one shark that's always famous for, what does he always ask for? The royalties? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Wonderful. His name's Kevin Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this one episode, he, he didn't ask for any royalties. And everybody's looking at him like, what are you going to ask for the royalties? You always ask for the yeah. royalties, you know? <laughs> so it was really interesting because I would not really watched it before. And now if, I feel like, again, kind of like with the veterans, it's like when you start going down a path, it's like all these people start coming to you. And now I've met like 
two other people that have been on Shark Tank that I'm just like totally in love with. And I'm like talking about their products all the time. Cause you know me, I'm the town crier. When I fall in love with something, I tell everybody. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but, the, but that's a good thing, right? So, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's the name of the game, right? It's a lot, of, a lot of success is just word of mouth, who you know, and very, very thankful that people like you are out there. So when you find something you like, you, everyone hears about it. They sure do. Has everybody heard about my Remarkable? I, I showed that to you, didn't I? See? Yeah. yeah. And Dan has one and hasn't even used it yet. That's, yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah, that, well, uh, well, we have to train him more. <laughs> Everybody who's listening to this, you have to go get a Remarkable. Just trust me, it's life-changing. All right, so back to the financial, uh, although I would not put these financials on a Remarkable. That would be too much. You definitely need spreadsheets for that, not sure. notebooks. Not not like old-time ledgers. Remember those? Oh, yeah, that's how I started. I did. I'm not going to, not me. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't, kidding. Don't date yourself. No point. <laughs> this one was like, not me. I didn't do that. <laughs> All right. So for those employees that might just feel like a cog in the wheel because they don't recognize their worth to an organization, um, I, I know you're kind of on a mission to help these very employees, the ones that may not recognize their worth. So what else plays a role in this aside from not understanding how their roles and their actions affect the company's performance? Yeah, you know, I get this a lot uh, from from some of the executives that I train, the, the students that I train at Purdue, things of that nature. And it's an interesting question because it, it's true. A lot of people, they always, like you said, feel like just a cog in the system. Mm-hmm. But what I always tell them is, you know, every job pretty much exists for a reason, right? It, companies, if they care about their bottom line, they're not creating jobs just, just to create work. They, they, don't, they don't do it that way. So what I always tell people is first try to find a good mentor because a good mentor is going to make you understand not only what your current role is, but where you can go in your career and, and why you're relevant to that organization. The other thing I always tell people, especially my younger students, is you have to be patient. Um, you know, starting out in accounting, it used to be in the old days that, uh, you know, you sat there and for the first two years, you basically just read you know, lease agreements and tried to pull out uh, the covenants and the lease. It was really boring, mundane work. But that work still has a purpose. And we used to call it paying your dues. Now, a lot of people aren't still into that, but the point is to just remember, you have to be patient. Every task that you're assigned, even no matter how mundane it is, is relevant. And what I always really like to tell students is try to keep your attitude up. You know, try, try to keep yourself peppy or whatever it is because people will notice that. And usually that's actually kind of the, one of the fastest ways out of some of those mundane roles. But the long and short of it is find a mentor, be patient, and just remember you're, you're there for a reason. I hear a lot of students say, well, I want to have an impact. And I always tell my students, oh, you will. If you mm-hmm. go to work, do your job, take pride in what you're doing, you will have a very positive impact. If you go the other way, you're still going to have an impact. It's just not going to be the impact you want to have. That's very true. You know, and I tell people all the time, I want to have an impact. But, you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting is that, you know, there can be some intrinsic value there that adds to your worth. And in one of the conversations I was having for me personally was, you know, I do a lot for our company when it comes to media, when it comes to news interviews. 
And it's hard to put an ROI on that and because a lot of it's indirect. Like I will get business because like <clears throat> I met you not through VIP, but through another uh, successful in Dallas. And for me to put an ROI on the value that that's bringing to VIP is really difficult. But yeah. I still do find that, you know, there's going to be a point where I'm sure you're going to have a company that you're going to refer back to me. And then at that time when you do that, am I going to remember to track that ROI back to when we met? Do you see what I'm saying? It's hard to keep yeah. up with some of that. Yep. A lot of it is just, you know, some people use the, use the term networking, which, which I'm not overly a fan of. I, I just prefer relationship building. You build long-term yes. relationships and, and yeah, a lot of times you can't quantify them, but I, I mean, you know, some of the people that I've met even recently, the number of connections that they've made for me has just been, I, I don't know how to quantify it. And, and, and I think... And even if they don't, sometimes it's just a blast to know these people. Yeah, exactly. I I just posted on LinkedIn today um, about a connection that was made. And the person that introduced me to that person was like, but we can't forget that this person introduced us. And that's why all this started. And I'm just like, it's, it's amazing to me that some of my best friends today have come through those different connections. Yep. Like people I yep. never would have met had not been networking. Yep. But I do love the way that you described it as relationship building. Um, you know, the organization I run, Successional Dallas, um, is technically a networking organization, but I refuse to describe it like that. Whenever anybody asks me what it is, I'm like, it is a premier relationship building organization. And I think that really d differentiates us from the other networking events. Yeah, and after, and I'll tell you, after being at being at your events, I could certainly see it. Uh, it, it was it was fun meeting the folks there. I mean, you know, everybody was there with a purpose, and for the most part, it was how can I help you? you yes. Know, not how can you help me? But what can I do for you? And that that really stood out to me more than anything else. Yeah, it is definitely curated to be a group of go-givers. And I think anytime you go enter a room with a go-giver mentality, you're going to receive. Yep. Even though that's not your intention, you're going to receive. It's the law of reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do a real quick shout out. If you have not read The Go-Giver, that is an excellent book and a must read. So I haven't brought it up in a while, but want to bring it up. Episode 44 with Bob Berg is a great listen to. So, all right. So really quickly back to you, you know, as, as a CEO, ensuring effective capital allocation, we kind of referred to this earlier is crucial for the growth and success of the company. So how can a CEO build trust in his or her employees to execute those capital allocation plans responsibly. Yeah, so it really, it just comes down to training. So the clients that I work with, you know, some of them are Fortune 100s uh, and they bring me into, you know, one case literally to train their 60,000 engineers. And it's, the training is designed to not only give them the financial acumen knowledge, but more to think about, okay, how are external parties seeing what we're doing? You know, whether they be investors on the equity side, the bond side, how do regulators see what we're doing? How do customers see what we're doing? And that's where the value really comes in because when you asked me earlier, how to suck people uh, you know, who feel like a cog in the system, how do they kind of break out of that? That's how you do it. It's that training. You have to give them that perspective of, look, this isn't just you, your boss and me as CEO. 
there are so many other people relying on what we do that it's important to not only their wives, but in some cases, their, their actual safety. And that's where this starts to come through, because if you say, okay, we can't do what we do effectively if we don't do this from a financial standpoint. And that's where this financial acumen training comes in. So it has to be holistic. It's not just about the numbers. Everybody always thinks that accounting and finance people is all about the numbers. It is and it isn't. It is because that's what we're, that's what we're ultimately judged on, but it isn't because without this, our customers won't be able to rely on us. And so if we care about them at all, if we care about our supplier networks, we have to do this right. And when you start to train people as I have uh, to, to see it and think about it in this different way, I mean, it's, it's incredible. You have to see the feedback that I get from some of my companies when they flat out say, I've been doing this for 20, 25 years and no one's ever explained it this way. And I'm now recharged when I go to the office or mm. we're proactively looking to solve problems now or literally conversations that used to take weeks or months now take an hour, you know, to get projects approved, especially growing up as I did in Johnson and Johnson with a lot of the research scientists, they spend years working on, on uh, new drugs or projects, whatever it yep. is, only to have them shot down. And the reason they're shot down is because they don't speak the same language as the finance team approving it. And the finance team definitely doesn't speak the language of the engineers or the scientists. So when they connect, Think about just how the morale within your engineering or your scientific team just improves dramatically. And all of a sudden, these people want to go to work because they say, hey, the, the stuff I've been working on for five years, my professional baby, now I know how to get it approved. And a lot of these folks, they're really trying to make a difference in society, whatever it is, whether it's a better drug to fix a disease or a better uh, uh, engine to make a, a plane more efficient right in, especially in today's in today's uh, no pun intended climate and so you really do instill in them kind of a, a greater sense of purpose or you enhance that sense of purpose that that's why they come to work so tell tell us what you how you feel about managing the working capital at all levels do you think that's important it is and this is where this is where i think the true bread and butter of what i do comes in because a lot of folks if they're not in those senior level positions think well i don't really impact this and this gets back to what i was saying earlier the ceo is relying on everyone in that organization to do things a certain way to do things uh the correct way if you will um, and they don't get the training on how to do that and so by by going through this program they start to understand oh, okay now i understand how i can make a difference and this is not just senior level it's not mid-level managers most of the mid-level managers i i coach they go back and say now i know how to train that kid coming out of college interesting and and to th and the things that they need to look for because college taught them how to be a great engineer they could figure out the density of all kinds of steel and all that stuff that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but they don't know why they're doing it or how to make the process more efficient, how to make it better. Because every every department has budgets and they say, how could we get more out of this? And that's what they start doing. They start training even the new college graduate, or in some cases the interns, this is the this is the right way to do this. And that's where it really starts to that culture really starts to get a lot better. Oh man. Okay, so if you could offer one piece of advice to a struggling professional that's, you know, maybe not sure how to find their value, 
what would that piece of advice be? I know you probably give this out every single day to your students. You know, I, I get the, I have to credit my wife with this. She's, she's arguably the most brilliant uh, person I've ever met. So I'm really glad I married her. Uh, but she benefited in her career as a consultant, again, just largely by finding the right mentors. Could you, you could find good ones, bad ones, and you know, average ones. Yes. And I always tell people when they're struggling, try to find one, a good mentor. Two, if, even if you have a great mentor and that doesn't work, at some point you have to ask yourself, am I doing what I really love doing? I mean, that, mm. that's the benefit to what I get to do. And Casey, I know it's the benefit to what you get to do. We, you and I get up every day and love what we do. Yep. You know, you, you could pay me, well, you could pay me a certain sum every year and, and I'm still going to be miserable. And it would be a good sum. At, yeah. at some point, there has to be, you know, I actually enjoy this. Because I... I I used to work on Wall Street. There was, I had a job where they paid me pretty well, but I just dreaded getting up in the morning. And, and it just, it's at not some worth point, it. There's no, there's no amount of money that makes you happy. <laughs> it is so not worth it. You know me. That's one of my big, big pushes when I'm, you know, what I want to help my, my impact that I want to have on the world is, yeah. you know, I want people to find their passion so they don't have to work a day in their life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When you find it, it's not work anymore. Exactly. Like everybody's like, Casey, why do you do all the things you do? And I'm like, because I love every single minute of it. I love it. And so now do I have to crash every now and then? Yeah, I do. But oh, yeah. I, I recharge and then I'm back at it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, well, this has been a lot of fun. I am ready to ask you our VIP questions. The question is, Great. are you ready? Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> These are the fun ones. So if you were chosen to be a colonist, one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Just given, given my uh, hobbies and things like that, I mean, first, like I said, I, I would have to, and this is not a cliche. <laughs> okay. I would, take, I would definitely take my wife because she really is my best friend. I mean, we, we talk about everything we always have and we've always just been comfortable with each other. So it, it would be very hard if she wasn't by my mm. side. Uh, the second thing, I, I love to work out. I've been doing that for 29 years. Uh, so I bring my, my gym equipment. And then uh, on the other side of the house is the pool table. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have fun. Exactly. There's got to be some. I didn't know if you were going to say, if you were going to allow me to say, I'll bring my bar. But that that's right by the pool table. So we're going to lump those into one thing. Oh, okay. Okay. We can do that. We can do that. It's a package. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm one of these uh, uh, silly people that really enjoys working. Uh, when I'm not skiing, I really enjoy working. Um, so for me, uh, most important thing, you got to have breakfast. Otherwise, my brain is just not going to function. And really to kind of just get the creative juices flowing, I either like to read or write. Sometimes okay. I'll write about stuff that maybe was on my mind the night before and you just start penciling it out. Uh, or, I'll, or I'll read something that was just inspiring. I mean, there's a couple of poems. I don't want to call them poems. Uh, but there's a couple of sayings by uh, legendary football coaches like Bill Parcells, um, Vince Lombardi, my favorite. It's sometimes just reading those or rereading those for a thousandth time just gives me a charge. And it's like, okay, we're, we're going to go. I got up a feeling a little lazy. I don't feel lazy anymore. <laughs> that is, I read a quote every morning too. Yep, so it helps. It's so inspiring. Something else I do is on my signature of my email, 
mm -hmm. I'll have a quote. Oh, and, I ha yeah. and I haven't changed it in a while, but the one I have on there is so good right now. When the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. Mm -hmm. And I love that one, Zhao, something like that. But I, I, it's been on there for a long time. I should probably change yeah. my quotes so that it stays no, good, fresh no, and interesting. It's a good one though. It's a good one though because it's true. Because you could be the best teacher on earth if they're not ready to hear what you're what you have to teach them. It's not gonna it's, matter. Doesn't matter. So, okay. My final question: If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? I think the you know I've actually thought about this and the the, the if it was a headline article again I'm a big Wall Street Journal reader so there's no there's no uh, uh, style to this whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but I think I think it would say investor builds organizational trust and propels careers by developing employees financial slash business acumen. I think that's and perfect. The, and the reason for that is just the feedback I've received over the last couple of years from some of the people I teach where they say, you know, like I, I have one former client. She was afraid to go into board meetings. Um, and she was a vice president at a very large insurance company because she didn't know the material. She didn't want to be asked any particular questions related to finances. After she took my course, she goes, I am now an active participant. And right after I took your course and started asking questions, they gave me a billion dollars of capital to manage. Wow. So I, I, I'm going to change my answer. When, when I think about what gets me up in the morning, that woman's story. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That, that was that was a good day. You need like a boot camp for teenagers. You know, I'll tell you, I'm actually trying to work with some college athletes because okay. some of these folks are going to go pro, and they they certainly need to. Ugh, for sure, for sure. How do people get in touch with you? So uh, several different ways. Uh, so my website is caecoach.org. Uh, on there, you can uh, you could just send a quick note and it'll come to my email. Uh, they can email me at caecoachllc at gmail.com. The CAE, people say, what does that mean? And it's Capital Allocation Enhancement. So caecoachllc at gmail.com is, is the easiest way or on my website. That is so perfect. This has been a lot of fun. I did not expect numbers to be fun, but you make it fun. That's that's the other trick, by the way. No, I appreciate that. That's that's part of the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, this has been fantastic. I know I'll see you next time you come to Dallas and um, looking forward to it. And until then, you are a VIP. Thank you very much for having me, Casey. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com. Tell me I didn't nail 30 minutes on the dot. I was so close. I can't hear you, Trey. Now. now I can. Okay, okay, for sure. Trace, say hi to Kevin. <laughs> hi, Kevin. How are you? Kevin's a good friend. Oh, hold on. I think Kevin muted. I, At my end. What were you I saying? You were muted. Him.